Welcome to Kitchen Table Conversations, a series of short and shareable conversation starters for those of us who have or love and support people with a complicated and beautiful brain. Here's your host, Angela Geddes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kitchen Table Conversations. I'm your host, Angela, and once again, just so pleased to be here to share a little bit of information that I've learned over the years. And this week is particularly interesting because today's podcast actually happens to fall on Bell Let's Talk Day. And I have to acknowledge that Bell Let's Talk Day has been so successful in helping uh, to keep conversations like this going and helping to raise awareness and helping to reduce the stigma that surrounds mental health conditions of all kinds. This year's statistics coming from the Bell Let's Talk website indicate that one in every two people who require mental health support are not getting it. And up to one in four people are experiencing really high levels of anxiety. And 200 people a day are going to attempt to end their life. And 12 will be successful. These are startling statistics. And we do need to keep this conversation going. And we do need to do what we can to support ourselves in a good way and to support each other. And certainly, there's opportunity for us all to do what we can to prevent negative outcomes and to intervene as early as possible in order to help people heal, help people cope in a good way, and as always, to live our best lives. There are lots of reasons why mental health concerns and mental illness is on the rise. And this is a big topic with lots of things to consider, and we certainly can't tackle them all here. The social determinants of health are really important considerations. Things like income and social status, employment and working conditions, education and literacy, childhood experiences, and some of those really adverse ones that we we know of but we don't often give enough consideration to. Physical environments, social supports and coping skills, healthy behaviors, access to health services, which we know is uh, becoming more and more difficult, biology and genetic endowment. So what we pass on to our kids and what can sometimes interfere with fetal development gender, culture, and of course, race and racism. These are so important, and I encourage all of us to learn more and see what we can do to level the playing field in our own communities. I think we all have a role to play. And then there's COVID, and that did not help. That's for certain. But in my humble view, COVID did not cause the problems, but it certainly furthered the divide. So we were all in the same storm, but we certainly are not in the same boat. And then the opioid crisis, which has just exploded during COVID, and people are dying far too often and far too soon. This has to change. And I believe that it can, but it is complicated. And now I'd like to focus on, again, prevention and the role that alcohol plays in our society in terms of the multiple health risks, and in particular in mental health. And again, in the possibility of prevention, I think it's really important to note, like I worked in a hospital, and you just have to spend a very short time in emergency to see the link between alcohol misuse and our emergency visits. And now I want to bring us back to the topic that I remain so passionate about, and that is prenatal alcohol exposure. 
Did you know that even small amounts, for example, one drink a week changes brain develop and increases the likelihood of the onset of depression and anxiety by a significant number? Did you know that epidemiological studies have shown that nearly 16% of women in Europe drink alcohol during pregnancy? And this number increases to 20.9% in Switzerland, 28.5% in the UK, and 26.5% in Russia. Studies have found that maternal drinking can be related to 90% or more of the mental health problems in their offspring and increases the incidences of mental illness such as depression. Again, in the spirit of prevention, this is a real tangible opportunity that we have. Alcohol use is on the rise, and pregnancies exposed to alcohol is on the rise. So how can we together change this? The ripple effect on prevention will be game-changing, and there is so much possibility here, which helps to keep me so hopeful and so inspired and so incredibly, sometimes annoyingly passionate about this. But this month alone... I have been made aware of unplanned pregnancies in my community and my circle that have been exposed to alcohol prenatally. There has been no mention of any concern about that alcohol consumed prior to the awareness or the confirmation of the pregnancy. None. No mention whatsoever. That seems to be the way we roll. Most of us stop drinking alcohol once we find out, but there's not much consideration for those early weeks. And then there are people who really struggle with addictions where there would be risk of physical harm if they suddenly stop. So we need to consider that as well. There are many reasons why people consume alcohol during pregnancy. And again, I need to really, really emphasize that none of which include to deliberately harm their growing baby. But we need to share this important information in a way that people want to hear it. I see so many people struggle daily with significant mental health symptoms and social difficulties that would have been avoided had the parents known. Some would say and have said to me, ah, Ange, our parents all drank during pregnancies. We're all fine. Well, that's debatable. That's a debatable question or a statement for a few reasons. But in my particular case, I can say that my mom thankfully was not a drinker. And yet I do have some friends and extended family members who really do struggle with mental health, rigid approaches, addictions, some sensitivities and some social difficulties that I am certain is related to prenatal alcohol exposure. I have friends and extended families who have children with mental health and behavioral difficulties and really puzzling presentations that I'm also certain is related to prenatal alcohol exposure. And even in some cases admitted to prenatal alcohol exposure, but yet dismissive of the possibility of FASD. And I also think it's really important that you can't underestimate the impact of stable family households and parenting um, strategies that help to mitigate the risk and help kind of hide some of these symptoms um, and protect people from, you know, some of the more um, difficult scenarios that can arise in the event that things are less stable in the home. So in many cases, the people that I know have Googled it and found that FASD is not what they have because they've read about things like facial features and really dire circumstances like homelessness and failed relationships and trouble with the law and extreme difficulties with learning and behavior and 
unemployment and that kind of thing. But they've not read enough about some of the mild learning difficulties in some areas, but then those gifts that appear in other areas that allow for creativity and real success. They haven't read about things like speech problems that may have rectified or busy kids with some now kind of laughable behavior problems that we all giggle about. Remember when so-and-so you know, ran naked out of the change room and was sneaking out of the house at age three, maybe interrupted an important work engagement in front of many people asking for things like spending money because they wanted to buy a pop and really saw urgency in that. So, and then there's also, you know, sleep difficulties that kind of come and go and anxiety and depression and maybe the the tendency to overthink or ruminate and maybe some impulsive and emotional vulnerability that that causes problems but you know typical teenage stuff or we chalk up to um, maybe difficulty keeping up with housekeeping responsibilities feeling tired or overwhelmed or just kind of self-sabotaging it seems maybe feeling misunderstood quick to anger and say things that they're later sorry for they have not read about some of the overlapping characteristics and how often people receive multiple diagnoses in their quest to be understood and to live their best lives and to be treated and you know assessed properly. We did a thing on January the 16th and we, uh, Shannon and I, appeared on Rogers TV where Shannon admitted that she did not think that FASD looked like this. And you have to check out the uh, the video on my website to get a really clear picture of what this is. I mean, she's a beautiful person inside and out with many, many strengths, very creative, compassionate, tolerant, committed to equality and her well-being and social justice, uh, who shared too that she's received multiple diagnoses over the years that left her very confused and kind of spinning her wheels and impact and it really impacted her sense of identity again check out my set my site to see the whole video from rogers uh, in brantford it was it was pretty amazing uh, we went there to try to help people understand the link between alcohol exposure in pregnancy and mental health conditions and to encourage people to rethink their drinking habits if they could become pregnant and to keep the conversations going at home and again around their kitchen table the host was a psychotherapist and a social worker who admitted that she learned so much from our brief 10-minute interview and from the few minutes of talking prior to airtime our social service providers are uninformed the literature states that very, very clearly. And so naturally, so are our community members. I learned once again this week that a mom was told by her medical provider that daily use to help sleep, um, uh, daily use of weed during the pregnancy would be okay. And it would be probably harder on the baby, the growing baby, to quit cold turkey. I had another mom tell me that her doctor said a daily glass of wine would be safe for the growing baby. And she's actually considering suing the doctor for this misinformation. I've had others say to me that this really does need to happen in order to force our service providers or to set precedent that they need to learn more and give more accurate evidence-informed advice when it comes to pregnancies and alcohol and other substance use. And so let's help to change this and help to reduce the number of pregnancies that are exposed um, to things that could cause harm. Prenatal alcohol exposure is the leading cause of developmental disabilities in the Western world. And once again, FASD in its full form, uh, the prevalence rates are higher than autism, cerebral palsy, Tourette syndrome, and Down syndrome combined. This really needs to be discussed.
I'm excited to be offering some training specifically for social workers and frontline practitioners to help enhance their screening and assessment skills and to be better positioned to identify possible prenatal alcohol exposure or the, the effects of and possible FASD and to be better positioned to refer and support people in helpful and relevant ways. Once again, see my site for more information and please consider sharing this to keep this conversation going and to help us all build skills and capacity. There is no denying that alcohol plays a significant role in the increased mental health rates that we are seeing. It's not just a sign of the times. We've been through hard times before and we can make a difference. It's up to all of us in my humble view to support healthy pregnancies. And I really believe that if we do, our conversations in 10 years on Bell Let's Talk Day will be celebrating the successes and acknowledging how we've reduced the impact and reduced uh, the incidences of mental health conditions of all kinds. Let's do this. Thanks again for tuning in. Angela. Angela.